Ezra chapter 2 records a detailed list of the Jewish exiles who chose to return to the Holy Land. The names and numbers remind us that God is a careful record keeper. He knows our name. He does not lose track of us, even among billions of people in the world. Is your name written in God's book of life? If it is, have you wandered from him like a sheep who has lost her way? Are you a backslider, a prodigal that needs to come home? For the Jewish exiles, their return started with a turning away from pagan Babylon. This provides us with a powerful picture of the true biblical repentance God requires of those who return to him from spiritual exile. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. Well, when God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he used Moses to break out all two million of them. Centuries later, when the Babylonian king told the Israelites they were free to leave their captivity, only 50,000 Israelites chose to leave. This brief history sets the stage for the book of Ezra, where Ron takes us today in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of our broadcasts on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Ezra, Return from Exile. Robert Robinson was a barber's apprentice when he first heard the preaching of George Whitfield, if you know church history or uh, know your way kind of around uh, 18th century revivalist preaching, George Whitfield was the Billy Graham of his era. According to a uh, hymnologist named Kenneth Osbeck, Robinson was living in London at the time and he had, quote, associated with a notorious gang of hoodlums and lived a debauched life. Can you imagine your life being described that way? But that was Robert Robinson. And after hearing the preaching of George Whitfield, Robinson returned to the Christian faith that he learned from his mother. He became a Baptist preacher, and he wrote many hymns, including one that we sing from time to time titled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Remember that one? Uh, there's a, a lyric in there that really is um, more well-known than the title. And it's that lyric that says, are you ready for this? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This was true of Robert Robinson, who apparently met Jesus uh, at his mother's knee, but had wandered far, far away from God and found himself in London as a barber's apprentice when God found him. Uh, through the preaching of George Whitfield. The God of Israel was truly a fount of many blessings to his chosen people, but they had wandered far from the expectations of the covenant relationship that God had made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, of course, King David. And because the roots of Christianity run deep into Judaism, their story is really the story of many of us, many New Testament believers in Jesus Christ, 
If we were honest with ourselves and others, we would say, "Ah, yeah, we're prone to wander. Lord, oh, I feel it today. Prone to leave the God I love. If you just knew where I was, pastor. Well, the Lord knows. Maybe there was a time when you were closer to him, a time when you look back and you said, the intimacy I I shared with Jesus, the intimacy I had with Almighty God was was greater and more palpable at that time, but I've wandered away. I've wandered into some sin, and uh, I want to come home today. Well, Ezra is the next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, and it recalls God's people and how they returned to him from disciplinary exile. The Old Testament historical book, uh, this one called Ezra, begins the same way that 2 Chronicles ends, and that's with the decree of uh, King Cyrus, king of Persia, and this decree came around 536 BC. Keep the historical timeline in your mind as best as you could. This decree from Cyrus encouraged the Jewish people to return to Jerusalem and restore the house of God. God had sent his chosen people into Babylonian captivity. Do you remember that? The southern kingdom. And they were there for 70 years as chastisement, as as discipline for breaking covenant with God. But now it was time for them to return home, to come back to the Holy Land, uh, to rebuild the temple, to reestablish their worship celebrations, and to reconnect with their identity as the chosen people of God. Now, surprisingly, as you read the book of Ezra, only a small remnant of the Jewish exiles return, about 50,000 of them. Think of how many came out of Egypt under Moses' leadership centuries earlier, about, you know, something north of two million, most people estimate. Uh, Now uh, it's it's, it's down to a, a remnant of people in the southern kingdom, coming out of Babylonian captivity, given the opportunity by the decree of Cyrus to go home, to go back to their spiritual roots, and only a small remnant of them want to return. One Bible scholar notes, when the providential opportunity came for repatriation, the bulk of the nation, to their shame, preferred their tolerable and perhaps even lucrative life under Persian rule to which they had now become quite accommodated. Yeah, in other words, they had become cozy and comfortable in Babylon. And the majority of them chose to stay there. They did not consider themselves worse off for having wandered away from God. And so we come to the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And it completes a study of the Old Testament historical books. But we must read these three books Uh, and understand them together. Ezra and Nehemiah were once combined as a a single uh, narrative, and and they addressed the Jewish remnant that returned to Jerusalem, that small remnant. Esther, on the other hand, recalls what happened to those Jews who remained in Babylon, and we'll get to Esther in a couple of weeks here. But today we're in the book of Ezra, and the book of Ezra divides naturally into the ministries of two key figures, Zerubbabel, And he dominates the first six chapters. And then the ministry of Ezra, which is chapters 7 through 10. I love to say the name Zerubbabel. Say that with me, Zerubbabel. You can't even shorten it. There's no nickname for Zerubbabel. It's just Zerubbabel, isn't it? Well, Ezra and Zerubbabel 
uh, were key figures in the book of Ezra. And Zerubbabel was a, a direct descendant of King David. So you have the royal line coming through Zerubbabel, and he leads the major uh, portion of the 50,000 or so exiles who return. Ezra, on the other hand, uh, is, is, is related to Aaron, Moses' brother. And so one from the royal kingly line, the other from the priestly line, and in a very large sense, the book of Ezra reminds us that it takes a king and a priest to return God, to return to God, and to revive the soul of a nation. And herein is our, our Christ connection. We talk about Jesus' ministry as prophet, priest, and king, and what we have in Ezra is a king and a priest. Zerubbabel wasn't exactly a king, but he came from the royal line. The king and the priest, um, it, it, it takes that ministry to bring the nation back to God. Now, though he is not the namesake of the book, again, Zerubbabel dominates uh, the first half. He is a child of exile, born in Babylon. He has no memory of being in Jerusalem, in the Holy Land. Uh, all he has known his whole life is uh, exile and Babylon, but he is the man God used to lead the first return that began in 536 B.C. after that breathtaking decree that comes from, of all people, Cyrus, the king of Persia. And Zerubbabel's accomplishments are worth noting. He, he uh, models for us, in a way, how one returns to God after wandering far from him. Uh, let's just go to 30,000 feet here real quickly, and then we'll dive in on each of these. But Zerubbabel led the return, that's chapters 1 and 2. When he got there, he built an altar to God. That's the first part of chapter 3. Then he laid the foundation for the temple, latter part of chapter 3. Remember, when King uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came 70 years earlier, they destroyed the temple, decimated Jerusalem. It's been in ruins since then. And so he, he leads the return, he builds an altar, he lays the foundation for the temple, and then he completes the rebuilding of the temple in the face of much opposition. And we'll get to the opposition in a moment. But Zerubbabel really lays out for us a pathway. I call it the way up, or rather the way back. Ezra will show us the way up to a more intimate relationship with God. But Ezra shows us the way back from spiritual exile. And again, you may be here today, a believer in Jesus Christ, but you've wandered far from him. And you're wondering, how do I come back? How do I come back to that place of intimacy with the Almighty and fellowship with Jesus. No, you haven't lost your salvation, but you've wandered far from Him. Ezra's the book for you. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. If you've ever been a prodigal, a believer in Christ who wandered away from God for a season, you know that in order to turn back to Him, 
you have to turn away from something or someone else. Here's Ron with the second half of today's message, Ezra, return from exile. Let's learn first from Zerubbabel. Uh, The first step I, I see is repentance and return. Ezra chapter two records a detailed list of the Jewish exiles who chose to return to the Holy Land. Uh, Their names and the numbers of them are recorded in chapter two. And like some of the genealogies of the Chronicles, it can be a little bit of a tedious read, but it's a reminder that God is a careful record keeper and he knows us by name. He He doesn't forget a one of us. Uh, we, we don't get lost in the shuffle even today of billions of people on planet Earth. No, God knows your name. He knows your whereabouts. By the way, is your name written in, in, the, in the book of life? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? That's, that's the first uh, question to ask this morning. And if you say, yes, it is. I, I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ Have you wandered away from him like a sheep who has lost her way? Are you a backslider? When was the last time you heard that word in church anywhere, a backslider? We used to call those who wandered away backsliders, maybe prodigals, okay? Any one of them might apply to any one of us today because just like Robert Robinson, we're prone to wander, aren't we? We're prone to leave the God I love. If I made a list of the people today in this place who desired to come back, to find their way back, to return to a place of fellowship and intimacy with the Almighty. Would your name be on the list, just like these Jewish exiles who are listed in chapter 2? Their return to the holy city of Jerusalem, just mark it down, started, it started with turning away from pagan Babylon. And what we have here is a wonderful picture of the repentance that God requires when we want to come back to him. It's turning away from Babylon and turning toward Jerusalem. It's turning away from uh, the idols and the sin that you have come to love and to grow comfortable with. Turning away from that and turning to God. Uh, This is the way of repentance. Following repentance and following the example of Zerubbabel, we have consecration and offering. There's repentance in return, and then a time of consecrating ourselves to God and offering ourselves to him. And we see this in what Zerubbabel does next. Upon returning, he he builds an altar with the people who came with him. And the Bible tells us wonderfully in chapter 3 and verse 1, they were all united as one man. Isn't that a wonderful place to be? where the brothers and sisters in, uh, of, of God are, are united in the purpose that God has placed before them. Zerubbabel came back with the majority of those Jewish exiles who returned, and, and they were united. They were together as one. And amidst the ruins of the holy city, uh, they set the altar in place. Uh, They they made it a priority to begin the daily offerings again that were prescribed in the Mosaic Law. They also kept the appointed feasts. And all of this is a reminder of the next step in returning to God, consecration and offering. We could go to Romans chapter 12 where it tells us to make an acceptable offering of ourselves, even as New Testament believers, uh, to a living uh, God and, 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 and as a living and holy sacrifice unto him. 
uh, is the idea here, to yield yourself to him wholeheartedly and without reservation. You've wandered away, and you've replaced uh, God with self and your own selfish desires and fleshly desires. Now it's a time to reconsecrate yourself to him and to offer yourself to him as a living and holy sacrifice. And then comes uh, worship and witness. This is the first, third step that I see here. It was one thing for Zerubbabel to rebuild the altar with the people's help, but um, Ezra chapter three and verse six tells us that the foundations of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Remember, the temple that uh, was built under Solomon was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. Nebuchadnezzar and his uh, crew came in there. And it had been in, exi- or been in uh, ruins ever since then. The exiles still needed a physical place to gather for worship as the people of God. And, and remember, friends, that back then the temple, first built under Solomon, the second temple built by Zerubbabel, uh, this is the uh, visible witness of God and his presence in the world. And it was a spiritual house of praise and worship uh, to the God of Israel. Now, of course, in the New Testament, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we as believers in Jesus Christ are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's not a physical temple in Jerusalem where God dwells. In the New Testament, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as you've heard me say before, that makes us all traveling worship facilities. And not only worship facilities that travel from place to place, but as we do, we give witness to the presence of God in this world and his presence in our lives. And that should make every one of us think twice about how we conduct ourselves anywhere we go in this world, all right? So let's rewind a little bit and review our steps uh, on the way back. There's repentance and return. There's consecration and offering. There's worship and witness, and finally, uh, there is uh, the idea of standing strong and finishing well. Uh, Zerubbabel came back and led the return. He, he built the altar. He laid the foundation for the temple and began building the temple, and then the opposition came, as it always does, right? Um, two years after returning to Jerusalem, they began uh, the foundation of the temple. And when they did, everybody responded with exuberant joy. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good and for his steadfast love endures uh, forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with great joy. But um, the book of Ezra tells us that there, well, there was a fly in the ointment of their, of their praise. And that's my my terminology there, but it it came from those who um, had some remembrance of the previous temple. And they were old men by now. Um, Chapter 3 and verse 12 says that their sorrow was mixed in with their joy. That these were people who were probably teenagers when King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and besieged Uh, the holy city. Uh, Among them were people like Daniel, and they were taken captive. They were there for 70 years. Now some of them were returning to Jerusalem, and they had a memory of Solomon's glorious temple. Why were they sad? Because the foundation for the rebuilding of the temple under Zerubbabel was smaller. 
And, and you know, it wasn't a big thing. Uh, Ezra says, uh, you really couldn't distinguish between the shouts of joy and praise and the, and the whimpering and the sorrow. I think joy, he says, kind of won the day, and that's good. But it, you, you can almost uh, expect you know, some kind of a response from those who had been there during the, the glorious days of Solomon. But the fact that they were back in their homeland, back in a relationship with God, united as one and committed to serving the Lord and rebuilding the temple, well, again, joy won the day. Word traveled fast, and when it did, um, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin began their opposition, as most opposition begins, and that was with subtlety and friendly solicitude. These are some nice guys coming up to Zerubbabel and others and saying in chapter 4 and verse 2, let us build with you. For we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of the king of Assyria who brought us here. Sounds like a group of nice people who came and said, hey, we want, we want to help you in the building here. But uh, Zerubbabel detected something more, more devious here. And uh, he saw through their, their fakery, and he, he returns to them a thanks but no thanks kind of response. We don't need your help. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 3, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Why did he refuse their help? Why was he so terse with them? Because Zerubbabel models for us the spiritual discernment that any spiritual leader needs, and uh, those times when he needs to refuse, uh, we might say, even the kindest offer of worldly wisdom when you're doing the Lord's work. He saw through all of that. I can't tell you the number of times in almost 30 years of ministry where, you know, I, as, as a team of spiritual leaders and pastors and elders and deacons, we, we've needed that kind of discernment because those with uh, kind of subtle and uh, friendly ways of addressing will introduce what would have otherwise been some worldly wisdom that we don't need to follow. And so Zerubbabel just kind of says, thanks, but no thanks. Well, that didn't satisfy these vision vandals. They were really up to something more devious. Anytime you attempt to turn back to God or to grow in your spiritual life with Him, you will face opposition. Be encouraged today. The Lord Himself has promised that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, Ezra, Return from Exile, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Need prayer today? Stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org. Share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference, and when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you a new resource that goes along with this current series, Route 66, 
the ultimate road trip through the Bible. It's Ron's ebook based on the Old Testament historical books, Joshua through Esther. Request this digital download when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. I always say a disciple is first a learner. Somebody who just can't get enough of the Holy Scriptures. You set your heart to study the Word of God, but just not for knowledge's sake. You study it not for information, but for transformation. You study it to do it, to put the truth you've learned into practice. Ezra was just a disciple. Tomorrow, you'll be encouraged to be the same. When Ron shares part two of his message, Ezra returned from exile. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis, saying so long, and thanks for listening.